0: Congratulations, you made it to the X-Fill. You can sit back, relax, unpack your bags, and we hope you enjoy the show.
1: Hey there, Mike, a.k.a. MTB Trigger here. And with me, as always, is my co-host, Ronald, a.k.a. Eric if you are brand new, welcome. This is an Escape from Tarkov podcast where we talk about all things EFT, and our goal is to get better at the game, and we hope you do too, and you come along with us for that journey. We're kind of at a pre-wipe lull, I would say, and we're coming off of two guest episodes, so we're going to get back to normal on this episode, and we're going to talk some Tarkov, we're going to talk about what we've been up to, and we're going to talk about uh, some of the stuff that we've been putting out there that we think would be helpful to everybody as we get ready. Uh, I think we're getting ready for everybody to jump back in pretty heavily into this game, even those that have been taking a little bit of a break. But first, though, let's get our hideout keeping out of the way. There are a number of ways you can support the show. First and foremost, you can share it with a friend or somebody that's thinking about playing Tarkov or just looking to get better at the game. You can like us, comment, rate us on any app of your choice. All of that stuff goes a long way. You could also share the podcast from a number of apps or YouTube. Super helpful. And then for those of you that are able to or willing to, we do have a direct support option via Patreon. And thank you so much to those of you that are already doing that. It really does help out a lot. And we thank you for that. The other thing I wanted to announce this week uh, as part of our hideout keeping is we actually just brought on a new artist into XP Media. His name is Mark Delvalar. And for those of you that are following the YouTube, you've probably noticed that our artwork has changed, been updated significantly, is a better way to say it, because what Ronald and I can put together is nowhere near what somebody uh, with a creative mindset can do. And and Mark's an incredible guy and he's done some amazing stuff for us. So you're going to start seeing more and more of that. We're going to redo some old cards. Everything going forward's going to have that touch on it. And I've known Mark for a couple years now. Incredible guy. We love him. And for anyone out there that's looking for a stream makeover, emotes, overlays, transitions, that kind of stuff, he's awesome for that. And I can't recommend him enough. We can't recommend him enough. Awesome guy. So if you like the artwork, make sure you tag him and stuff as well, because he does an awesome job for us. Outside of that, if you're looking to engage or chat with me, the best way is on Twitch at MTB Trigger. I stream a couple days a week, starting around 1 p.m. Central Time, but I also hang out in Discord a lot, as well as Twitter, and I'm the same everywhere. It's at MTB Trigger. So, Ronald, how are you, man? Let these fine folks know how they can get in touch with you and how you're doing this week.
0: Hey, what's up, everybody? The best way to get a hold of me is always Discord at Ronald Gaming, up at the top in the host sections next to MTB Trigger send me a DM. We're all on Discord, more than we like to admit, and It's the best way to get a hold of us. Otherwise, outside of that, you can email the show at xpmedia2020 at gmail.com if you have something that's a little bit more formal or that you don't want to send through Discord. Once again, I'd like to send everybody over to xpmedianow.com. Check out our blog. We've got gaming topics up there right now, but we've got more stuff coming that's going to be general industry things, gaming stuff, just kind of all the things we think are interesting and you might too. So you might want to check that out. Besides that, I think we've had a pretty good week in Tarkov. So how have things been going for you this week, Mike? Before we get to that, I wanted to ask you, how does it feel to have
1: a hashtag created based on the last episode in your honor? And what I'm referring to is the hashtag #TeamRonald that has surfaced on Twitter.
0: Well, I'd like to thank everyone who's participated in that hashtag, whether publicly or not. And it just adds to the feeling of superiority that comes from being right when you get into a discussion with people that are wrong. So I'd like to give a special message to my friend Geekse, who's still processing these very traumatic feelings of being wrong. I'd just like to say to you that the internet agrees with me and the flea market Illuminati is alive and well.
1: (laughs) It cracks me up that from the response we've got on that episode and just I I think everybody gets that we had a really good time discussing that, but it cracks me up that people are already taking sides. And personally, I'm going to be thrilled sitting on the sideline watching this unfold because I cannot wait for round three of that conversation (laughs) once we see how the find and raid changes actually play out in the market. So that's going to be really fun.
0: In all seriousness, I just want to say to everyone who's listened to the show and really enjoyed it, you can tell that we had a good time doing it. And especially if you get towards the end when we're laughing and having a good time, you can tell that there are a lot of different opinions on this. And as we get into the wipe in this next phase of Tarkov, I think it's going to be important to remember that there are different people that play Tarkov very differently. You know, and that's the thing about Tarkov is it's a it's a shooter with a bunch of MMO aspects that's going to really bring out different types of play styles. So I'm excited to see what happens. The flea market Illuminati is alive and well. It will adapt to whatever Tarkov throws at us. And I also am looking forward to having the conversation again in a couple months when we see how this really actually plays out.
1: You know, we have a hey, thanks section in the Discord, and I'm going to use a second here just to say uh, thanks to you, actually, because I tend to play one or two games And I go all in on them, you know, and right now it's PUBG and it's Tarkov. But I do play some games casually from time to time. Over the last few weeks, especially like it's been really helpful for me to look at all of the different ways that people play the game. And it doesn't matter if you consider yourself a rat or a chad, or if you play one hour a week, or you play 40 hours a week. Skill is different for everybody. There's somebody that could pick this game up tomorrow, never having played it, and be better than I am at the game. It's just how gaming it is. Some people are wired for specific games, and some people like to play them differently. And it's something that I had never really put a tremendous amount of time thinking about how other people play the game how the way I play the game affects them. But it's been really interesting as I look at all the titles that I've played recently and how I interact with the communities, how I play the game, how I interact with the game, and what I'm aware of. It's just been really good for me. So I'm trying not to say it in a negative way, and I'm not trying to say, like, thanks for showing me the casual or the people that play less than I do. That's not what I mean by this. I'm, I'm well aware that I tend to play more than most people do on certain games, And it's, I don't know, it's it's just swimming around in my head, but it's been really eye opening for me and been a really great thought experience going through how other people play the game. So thank you for that. It's been really helpful for me. I don't know that maybe that doesn't make sense. Maybe it does. I don't know.
0: I think that it makes a lot of sense. And I think, honestly, one of the reasons why we kind of have a great balance is that you do get to play more than I do. So, you know, we're going to talk about it in a couple of minutes but you pushed and got, you know, kind of that end game achievement. Right. And that's yeah. and that, that, that's a good thing. That's a good thing because we play the game differently. I just think it just brings a well-rounded podcast together, to be honest with you. And so that's one of the things I appreciated about having Geek on the show is that our conversation showed that we bring so many different perspectives that, it's relatable to so many different kinds of players. And the feedback that we got from that reflects that message that we were trying to get out there. Because this show is not just focused on the hardcore players or the super casual players. We're trying to kind of talk to everybody in a relatable way. And I really think that we we did that. And I think that that's, that's pretty cool. And thank you to the Xfield community for listening and participating and interacting with the content in our Discord. And thank you for the people who posted. In the hey, thanks section, in the episode feedback, we really appreciate that. And I think all of that is just great. And I I, I personally can say that I'm really enjoying what this is turning into. And I know you are too.
1: Yeah, no doubt. I think it goes without saying, but I'm going to say it anyway. But when you guys take the time to reach out to us and say like, hey, this section of the show was awesome. This section of the show wasn't that great. Here's why we think that. There's times where it's like, man, I don't feel that way, but it got received that way so we want to get better at that but when you're saying that you're laughing with us and you thought the end of the last show was funny you know, it, it's really helpful for me when I'm sitting down listening to the audio back and I'm editing it, trying to figure out if it's actually funny or not. <laughs> so it, it just, it, it's just awesome to get that feedback. So we encourage it, good, bad. If you make it constructive, we always listen. And we listen to the other stuff too, but it's really helpful when it's constructive. So thank you for that. Thanks to you all as well. But you mentioned it, right? So this week in Tarkov, I actually got the Kappa container. I was stuck on the last three tasks and yeah, it it was a really cool feeling to get it. I wanted to get it before the wipe. I got it. Um, I knew that it would kind of kill my purpose for being in the game, getting it so late in the wipe, but I still wanted to get that accomplishment. But really what I wanted to talk about related to getting the Kappa container is something that I didn't really realize until the end. When you're in Tarkov, because of how challenging it is, when you're trying to force an event to happen, or you're trying to force other players into a situation, and specifically the tasks I had to do were, I had one of the 12 kills remaining on Shooter Born in Heaven, which is getting a 100 meter plus headshot on a PMC, and I also had to kill Gluhar on Reserve, the Reserve boss, and also kill the Raiders, which unlock after you kill Gluhar, so I was stuck on those two. I had that last Shooter Born in Heaven kill, and I had to kill Glukar. Now. If you've hunted down Glukar, you know that he usually has a bunch of raiders spawned with him. And oftentimes you'll know he's on the map because you'll hear a crazy firefight on the other side of the map. And then you'll roll up on that and there's just a pile of dead bodies everywhere and he's gone. And that happened to me over and over and over and over. And the thing that happened with me on Interchange is I kept killing people under 100 meters or I'd kill them by shooting them in the thorax, etc. And it was this concept that I hadn't really thought about, but when you're trying to force an event to happen in Tarkov, it can get really frustrating because this game's really not set up for that. And kind of what I realized was that going into Interchange just with the mindset of getting a hundred meter plus headshot is super challenging because guess what? Other players don't want to get shot from hundred meters away and they're not going to engage you when you shoot at them from 200 plus meters away. So it was interesting strategically trying to set this up but I found that when I was, like, pushing spawn points and then trying to maintain this 100-meter barrier, it didn't work very well. And then I went to the X-Fill camping side of it to get this last kill, and I went up on the rafters on the Embercom X-Fill and tried to shoot people as they're exfilling Again, they don't stand still when you're doing this, and you're trying to force them. They know what's going on. They know what you're doing. You're trying to kill them as they exfil, So they do everything in their power to not allow that. And it's frustrating. You know, I spent probably... 10 hours on interchange alone, just trying to get this kill. And the funny part is I actually got it when I went in playing with someone else to show them the stash looting. I was like, yeah, I can show you around. Let me show you where they're at. I'll show you the markers that I use. And then I went in, I happened to have a thermal on because it's just easier to get that task done. And there was two guys running down the wall. And I shot him. I got the task done. And I was just like, I was so happy to be done with it. I was like, I don't want to loot those guys. I want to get out and I want to go hunt Glugar, (laughs) you know? But then it led into that next frustration of now I'm running reserve with one goal in mind. And again, it just brought me back to this realization that the best experiences I had in this game was when I was open to what the game sort of offered me. You know, like the way I would relate it back is if you go to factory and your only objective is to go to the office area and learn PvP there and you spawn on the opposite end and you hear players on both sides of you, if you don't take that opportunity for what it is and to learn PvP in that area and to fight there or to learn how to get out of it without fighting, if that's your thing... It doesn't really matter. But if you don't take what the game gives you and you're like, I got to get to the office area and you sprint out and you start running to the office area, you're going to get killed from one of those two directions and it can be frustrating. So I realized how often I was putting myself into that box, trying to learn something specific or do one specific task. And then I realized that the times when I learned the most or got the most accomplished or had the best raids or when I followed what the storyline was in that specific raid. So I know that was long-winded, but it was kind of a revelation for me that in the wipe, when things do reset, my plan is now to be aware of all the tasks that I have available, all of the things I can be doing, and work on them as they become available to me, or if it makes sense. So that's that's kind of what happened last week, and again, for me, it was a big revelation moment over two really hard tasks.
0: Yeah, I think the task system is going to go through a couple different iterations by the time the game is done, because I've kind of found similar feelings where the task system forces you to do things that are not kind of part of the natural flow of the game. And I don't think that's what they intended. I think they intended the task system on some levels to be a training ground for some things to force you to play the game multiple ways. But it's not really like that right now. To that point, you know, most
1: MMO games have tasks that are locked behind other tasks. And when you're in kind of an RPG element that's typically more player versus environment or PVE, I think that makes sense because you can take it at your own pace. You can decide what to do. You can decide to go farm something and come back. But when you're in a full PVP enabled environment all the time, I agree with you. I think it needs to change a little bit. I don't know exactly how, but I think it does need to change because if you have one task to do and you're trying to get to an area and you just can't get there, it's really creating unnecessary friction on the player because you're trying to get something done and you just can't or you keep spawning on the other side of the map, which makes it maybe really hard to PVP in that area to get the task done. Or I don't know, there's just so many factors that go into it.
0: Yeah, I think when their vision of a interactive open world kind of comes together, like they've said, they've talked about this and several of the developer podcasts and things like that, how they eventually want this game to be kind of that persistent open world feeling, then the tasks, I think, make more sense. But the way the task system interacts with your game development right now, it's pretty difficult, I think.
1: So do you think it could be a more open task system meaning you have more tasks that you can accomplish earlier I would say like I think they have to have some things gated but do you think it would be bad for the game if you could go into customs and say have like 10 active tasks instead of three
0: No, I I think that would be better for the game because I think what's happening now is the gating of the tasks is irrelevant. It's just, you know, you have a thing that you have to do PVP related and then you get another thing you have to do PVP related and then you get another thing you have to do PVP related or maybe stash an item or something. But those tasks don't require better equipment, really. It's just more, it's very repetitive to me. And so what I've kind of seen here is that the task system, I lost interest in it going through this this swipe. And the kappa at the end of it was not enough of a carrot at the end of the stick to keep me interested. I just think that if you are pushing for the kappa, if that's your end goal, then it makes sense. But to me, the same kill 10 of these guys with headshots or not headshots or this kind of meme kind of gun, anything along those lines, it's interesting and can be fun. But after a while, to me, it became kind of. I lost interest in it. It became meaningless. And the only thing that leveling meant to me was unlocking the traitors. And that was it.
1: Yeah. And I think both of you and I have both experienced some long term iterations on the questing system in World of Warcraft, for example, where it was kill 10 boars, collect this, do that. And then over time, those were still there, but they added in more unique stuff like escort this thing here or you know, go do this and this while doing this. Or, okay, now there's a daily rotation of stuff that you can do and everybody's doing that same daily rotation. And I think that's the evolution of the MMO and some of that stuff could fit really well into Tarkov. And the one that's always been on the back of my mind is the daily rotational ones or the weekly rotational ones. Because if you had like a PvP daily rotational one, that was like, take the task that's already in the game and it's go get five kills in the dorms area on customs. And if that day was daily task day for going and getting five kills on dorms and customs, it would be amazing for the Chad, <laughs> the, right? But the rat or the Brad or the beaver or whatever you are, who do, if you don't like PvPing in dorms, you know to stay away, right? So it works for both sides. You know, it's like if you, you don't want to get involved in that, don't you know, just stay away. You know where people are going to be, but it would kind of be cool to see that. Or you could also have it for like, again, the ones where you're collecting certain types of loot. If the daily task is to get a, I don't know, a Bitcoin looted in raid or a vase looted in raid, there's certain areas that have that that could be made a little more popular, or they could use it to send people to different locations. You know, like go check out this drone on shoreline and exfil from this location. You know what I mean? So there's be unique ways to do it. I just think they have a lot of opportunity for tasks in the future.
0: I think every game that starts off in this way and decides to be more than just a shooter. So this isn't your typical just run and gun, right? Right. Once the game choice is made to be more than a run and gun, then you have to put things in to keep people interested because run and gun gets boring for the majority of people over time. So what I think is going to end up happening is they're going to have to introduce some element of story and PvE that's going to go along with a task system, have traders that are interactable. I mean, they're going to have to add that type of thing that keeps the gameplay sticky. And that's the MMO elements combined with a good and solid PvP experience. And most games end up going down two tracks, the PvP track and the PvE track. And we've seen games try to mix those two and try to create a shared experience that's balanced and relevant for each group. And it usually doesn't work well. And so I think what's going to end up happening here is Tarkov's going to go in their own way. They're going to go down that route.
1: I think they already are. They've proven their ability to do it. You mentioned the stickiness or the sustainability. And right now, the stickiness and sustainability comes from the wipe, right? So they kind of have an artificial way to keep people in it. And at some point, that has to get replaced, or they go the Diablo Three route and they create seasons and they shorten up the time in between seasons, add new stuff in, and they really could go either way. I think the cool part is they actually are positioned to do either one right now, and I think either one could be successful. But there's pockets that wouldn't enjoy it if they went down either of those paths, and there may be one that retains everybody, and that's what's so exciting to see about it. So I think that's a a really good point and. I don't know. I'm super interested to see what they do with it because I don't know if I'll have the same drive to get the Kappa container next time. I actually may do it just to see how fast I can do it now that I've seen all the tasks. It's kind of cool to know how to accomplish some of them. And furthermore, there's some that I would like to unlock much earlier. For like Glucar, for example, I wish I had that one unlocked earlier because I killed him like six or seven times before I ever got the task for him. Same with Killa. Same with Sherman. It would be cool to have those unlocked earlier for when I'm just doing stuff on those maps that I could just get credit for that. So that's other reasons to jump into it.
0: Yeah, I think it's interesting because the Kappa container doesn't really interest me at all. I'm far more interested in getting very good at the gunplay and then using different attachments that affect how the guns work. So I'm, I'm actually taking a bunch of extra time to try different types of guns and their attachments right now before the wipe. Something to think about.
1: Oh, it is. And it's funny because by the time I got the kappa, I didn't need the extra space to loot valuable things, you know? So it's cool because now I basically have a survival kit for free in my gamma container is the way I look at it is that those extra three spots just turned into me always having a survival kit, which I brought anyway. So what I've been doing now is bringing in three stims. I've been bringing in stims that I don't normally use. So I always have an SJ6, a propitol, and an ETG every single raid and I don't lose them when I die. So I was taking those into raid a lot of the time, especially the ETG. I have grown to love that stim. It it ruins your energy when you take it, but it heals you so fast and has saved me so many times in the last two or three weeks since I started using it that having that and then the SJ6 is amazing for getting out of raids. So if I'm looted up and thick and took out a bunch of loot, pop an SJ6 and that extra stamina is amazing for getting out of a raid. But it felt really bad to me having that in my pocket and losing a 60,000 ruble item if I died. So, I don't know, super interesting. I agree with you. It, it, we'll see how it goes. Their task system probably needs work over the long term, but it's also not in a bad spot right now. I enjoyed finishing it. It kept me engaged. It got me frustrated as heck at the end. But at the end of the day, I was driven to finish it. And I did. So pretty excited about that.
0: Yeah, I I think it's not in a terrible spot. I just think it's too repetitive. So getting through all the tasks, I mean, there's so many of them that are just the same thing over and over and over again. And when you look at a task system in other games, other MMOs, over time, they develop certain patterns, of course, but they don't have the exact same type of thing over and over and over and over again. And to me, the Tarkov tasks are extremely repetitive. And I I just, I didn't it's not enough right now to keep my attention for right. for playing the game in that way. So I'm looking forward to how that gets developed in the future. And I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just looking forward to the changes that they are going to make.
1: Right. Well, and, you know, you're, you're talking about the run and gun, and this is actually not completely related to Tarkov, but it's happened in the last week. One of the original run and gun games that I got heavily into was Unreal Tournament. And the, and the reason that that popped into my head was uh, for my birthday, which was also last week. A lot of stuff happened last week. But I I got the 15 key stream deck for my stream, which allows me to have a bunch of commands and stuff on, on the stream deck. And one of the things I did is I went and recorded my own versions of the Unreal Tournament, like iconic voice lines. So I recorded and put reverb and echo on me saying headshot and double kill and ultra kill. And then I did Leroy Jenkins, right? (laughs) And all of these like iconic to me voice lines. And I want to do some of the Tarkov ones too. And so that I can, when on stream, I can actually push the button and have it be my version of something that was impactful to me. But it's funny, when you said run and gun, I immediately forgot that you weren't aware that I did that. And I was like, yes, I can't wait to talk to you about that.
0: That's awesome. I'm looking forward to seeing (laughs) all that stuff.
1: So what, uh, I know your game time was, uh, a little limited this week. So so what, uh, what, if anything, did you get done in the game this week?
0: Well, I spent some time, uh, looking at the flea market and what I specifically, of course, we have the flea market Illuminati, which we need to keep up with, but I'm specifically looking at what I'm going to do with the next wipe. And as I alluded to last week, uh, the episode with Geek, I've got a pretty good strategy I'm developing, and I'm really looking forward to testing it for a few weeks, and then we'll talk about it on the show. Because who knows, it could be wrong, but I think that it's going to be it's going to be really interesting.
1: So, without giving anything away, have your tests for post wipe Illuminati activity been going well? Yes, that's the best answer possible because I thought you were going to keep going, but you didn't. So, how <laughs> how'd your raids go this
0: week? So the raids have gone well. I'm specifically going after playstyles where I use really bad gear or like level two gear, you know, level, level two, level three armor, guns that don't have very good ammo, going after trying to figure out, okay, I'm going to get this stuff scabbing, you know, and trying to see how survivable I am going up against all the chads right now or wearing all the big stuff. And I can tell you that this game is a lot about placing your bullets where, where you put them. If you have bad ammo, shoot at their legs, you know. It's really interesting stomping around factory with level 2 armor and an AK that's got, you know, crappy ammo in it. And you can kill a Chad by taking their legs out. It's just, it, there, there are ways around everything, which I really, really like. And so that's what I've been practicing. Did a couple raids this week, focused specifically on using... A uh, low-level guns, ammo, and armor against highly geared people that are still playing at this stage of the wipe. Because really, that's going to be the path to success for me post wipe.
1: Well, and I think that that's a great thing to practice too. Is just consciously making the decision on where you're aiming. You know, because when I'm not thinking about it, I've trained myself over a lot of years to just aim for chest or head. But if I'm scaving or I've got a bad ammunition type and a gun early in the wipe. There's a very real strategic advantage for not aiming for the upper chest and the head. So I think that's a really good point. I just don't think it's worth glossing over because I know that there's fights that I would have won had I aimed properly at the limbs or the legs. And it's it's kind of funny. I can think of a raid recently where I literally ran up behind a guy who was looting and I had a shotgun or uh, some gun with bad ammo in it. I was behind him. He was prone looting and I shot him in the back of the head twice. And I know that the ammo didn't penetrate the helmet. He crouched, turned around and killed me. And I about lost my mind. And then I realized like I was standing behind him and I could have just like put it into his legs twice and he would have died easily. Or I could have taken the time to aim for the neck and not the head. And I just, yeah, that's great. I think that's a great thing to practice right now.
0: Yeah, and I've been practicing getting good at the spray patterns of the different different guns because even with high ergo and high highly effective like attachments, those kinds of things, you, the guns all have different spray patterns. And so when you're aiming down, it's actually really hard to aim down because you're either going to hit the ground or you're going to do something weird with the spray pattern of the gun. And so. I died a lot doing this, but I'm also it's primarily on factory because people are on factory comping around, and I really want to go up against the super chads. Like the the point of this exercise is to go up against the super chads in close quarters combat, and so holding factory, you know, holding the office or holding the breezeway or in the tunnels, you know, those are kind of like the three places, and using guns, aiming for the legs, and trying to understand how to defeat that high level armor has really been good and kind of fun to do. And so I kinda and so I really encourage everyone, if you have a chance to do that now, don't worry about money. Don't worry about all the different things. Just go get good at this part of it now because this will really help you gear up after the wipe. And remember, since we can only sell things that we find in Raid, you're gonna find a lot of good things by killing good players. And you in all seriousness, you can really do that effectively by taking out their legs.
1: Yeah, and in theory, and we don't know this yet. But in theory, killing somebody, when they bring something in to a raid, it loses found in raid. So we don't know this yet. But if it works how it does now, like if you bring in a piece of armor, as soon as you enter the raid, it loses find in raid. Now, you can take that out and use it or sell it to a trader, which some of that has great value. But that's one of those areas that if you're listening to this and be like, wait, that doesn't seem quite right. We don't really know yet how they're going to do this because... They could use the white found in raid check mark and the yellow found in raid check mark, which would be task eligible credit versus not. If you listen to this like two weeks from now, right, we're at the end of May. If the wipe happens, you're like, he was wrong. We don't know yet. (laughs) We're, We're speculating there. So I agree, though. And I did want to ask you a question, though. Are you using like no grenades and stuff on purpose? Like, are you just trying to get into firefights to see how you fare?
0: Uh, I'll answer that question, but I want to comment one thing on what you just said. Regardless of what happens with what you find in raid, whether it counts as found in raid or not, you can always take advantage of using it. You can repair it and use it. And even if it goes all the way down to zero, you still have the opportunity to to use it. So I kind of all count that as a win all the way around in, in the way that I look at what I take out of a raid. So whatever battle state does with the check marks, I still am okay with however that works. But to answer your question specifically, I'm not using grenades and I'm not using stems. And I'm specifically, I'm playing the way that a level zero player is going to come in. You're going to start off with whatever you have. You're going to scav. You're going to try to find and you're just going to go from there. And I'm. it's really interesting because I am playing a lot better now because of the experience of the wipe. But I'm also getting a little bit frustrated because it's like when you make mistakes that you understand that you made a mistake, it's almost worse. Sometimes it's frustrating to die and you don't know what happened and you're just like, okay, I'm just not good. When you make a mistake and you die and you know that I died because I made the mistake, this one's on me, right? This is not anybody else. This one's on me. Uh, sometimes that gets a little frustrating and aggravating, you know, but what's really funny though, is that when the super Chad does finally kill you and you've been hunting each other for a while and he comes over to me and he sees I have a level two armor. I just, I really wish I could see that happen because, you know, I don't even have to insure anything. So
1: I, I put that on the same level as when you find the loot stash of somebody who hid their buddy's gear, trying to save it. And you take that out and you now know that 48 hours from now, those friends are going to fight because one of them thinks that they took their loot out and didn't tell them about it. (laughs) It's the same sort of feeling you get when someone kills you after a great fight and they're going to come see that you had like an unkitted AK (laughs) and just like a horrible armor and stuff like, yes, those are two great scenarios in PvP games.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I absolutely love it because I'm sure they're thinking we had this good 15 to maybe 60 second fight, right? And whoever wins or whatever, you know, if I win, I go get their stuff. But if they win and I'm dead, they're probably thinking, okay, who knows? This person was maybe good, maybe not, but maybe not, not a scab for sure. And they come over and it's just junk. So it's just funny to me. It's awesome.
1: Well, I love this um, conversation on things that we can be doing to get better in the game by playing right now and and playing like a level 0 character and going up against better geared players i think that's going to pay dividends in the post wipe scenario to your point it doesn't matter if you can use the stuff or not in a task winning a pvp battle after the wipe is going to pay dividends so i do think that's a very very good thing um what i also wanted to do though was take time to talk about things you can do that aren't necessarily gameplay related but could also help you out in the game. And I'm sort of putting you on the spot here, I know, but we had a ton of feedback from one of the YouTube videos that we put up. And I say we loosely there because this was largely and basically entirely your project. And it was the FPS and optimization video. And I've been hearing about it. I know you've got some feedback on it. And we've had a chance to talk through with some people how these changes were. But Will you talk a little bit about the FPS, aka frames per second, and optimizing your computer to play Tarkov? Because I'll say this before I bring you in, that as a Chad or somebody who thrives and loves the gunplay PvP in games, maximizing your computer's ability to run the game smoothly at the highest frames per second possible is one of the best things that you can do to ensure that you are on as level of a playing field as possible in PvP. So I know basically nothing about the back end of this other than what I watched on the video that Ronald created. So again, having said that, can you talk a little bit about that video? Because I think it's really cool and the feedback that we've been getting on it is also really cool.
0: Yeah. I mean, for those of you out there who don't know exactly what we did, I took a bunch of questions basically that I see are common about how people are playing uh, Tarkov and other FPS games. And they say, okay, I think my game's not performing well. Do I need a new computer is a big question we always get. When is it time to upgrade your computer, right? And so we kind of took all those questions and I took my, you know, non-podcasting background in IT and said, okay, we can probably make something that can help a good majority. We went for the good majority, that juicy middle when it comes to this particular question. There are going to be some outliers where this is not going to be totally relevant for you, but I would say 80% of the gamers, you can look at what we did here and really get to a spot where, okay, your computer's in a, a pretty good spot. And this really was born out of helping some people optimize their computers. So this all started with some conversations we had in Discord with some of the Xfield community. And it started with, hey, can you help me? My frames are really bad. Or, hey, can you help me? My computer's running really weird. And what, you know, it's affecting Tarkov and things aren't, aren't working well. And I said, sure, you know, I'll help you on, I'll help you take a look. And then we figured out that, hey, most people, need to go past game settings to optimize their computers. And that's kind of where we started.
1: And one of the things that really keyed us in on this was we have heard over and over and over again that people are coming from console to PC for the first time, or man, they just liked watching Twitch and they decided to buy a computer for the first time. And A lot of times, that's a massive purchase, right? Usually well over $1,000 once you have peripherals involved. Sometimes way more than that. And a lot of times when you buy a screaming fast computer, you literally bring it out of the box, you plug it in, and because it's a gaming PC, or if you bought a pre-built somewhere, you're assuming that it's good to go, it's ready to rock, and it should play everything well. And the truth is, it does play most games well. The issue is, in a game like Tarkov, that is challenging at sometimes in the optimization is that there could be one setting that is completely bottlenecking you. And so it's not a one-stop fix. Like people would be like, well, hey, what do you have this set at? Well, that's not the whole story. And it's kind of like people would ask me this and I'd be like, you need to talk to Ronald. <laughs> like, hey, I'm, hey I want to upgrade my PC. Hey, I want to do this. And I would direct him to Ronald because again, everything you just heard him talk about, he understands how it works. And I just understand the be- the benefit of it. You know, I'm the guy that would go, watch the video for every game I played to make the settings the right way to to get the best performance. But I didn't really know what I was doing.
0: And one of the things about if I was going to make this, so I'm the guy too, who's watched videos about these settings for all kinds of different games as well. And as an IT guy, I would get annoyed because the videos are all really hyper-focused on one thing, or they really gloss over kind of the entire procedure to make something happen so you would be left with okay i kind of found what the setting is but they didn't really tell me how to get there or even what to click on and i think a lot of those people take for granted that we have got a lot of folks that are new to computers coming from console new to gaming right and using a computer for your job is very different than getting it to work well to play a game and so the approach that we took with this video is to really look at your computer in two different parts We look at Windows itself to make sure that some very common things with Windows are set up correctly. And then we dive into Tarkov game settings. And when you start the video off, I've got timestamps for the different things that we look at. So hey, if you don't want to look at some of those things, just fast forward in the video to whatever timestamp you want to look at and you can get to that Get to that spot. And I think it's important too because there are a lot of different things. They're like building blocks, they're like Legos to make your game run well. And if you skip over a particular section just to go right to the Tarkov game settings and you've never looked at the Windows part, you're skipping a major piece. And so it all kind of goes together. And we took the time to break it down window by window what to click on, where to go on the internet. I actually go to the web pages, I download the drivers. I show you how to use them. I show you how to change these settings, explain kind of what they are, and go through this. And by the end of it, 80% of those people are going to be in a much, much better place.
1: Yeah, and the thing I would add to it is I actually went through the steps. I talked to some people that went through the steps, and I just want you guys to hear this. If you've looked at some of those other optimization videos like I have, you're going to watch this one, and it's going to be slower, it's going to be detailed, and it's in a specific order for a reason. And when we're talking about the process of optimization, it should be thought of do this and this and this and this. It's not which thing can give me the most FPS boost right now. We could tell you which ones do that, but it's really not beneficial in the long run to not do it. So the way I would frame it is if you think that your PC should be handling the game better, would it be worth 28 minutes of your time, which is I think how long the video is, to make sure that you've done everything possible to get your computer ready to run the game the best? I know personally, I don't really care about the frames I'm getting in game. I don't leave the monitor on because I don't like giving myself excuses for why I died. And I think looking at your FPS counter all the time can be an excuse or looking at your lag or your packet loss to say, oh, I had 5% packet loss when that guy killed me. I got desync killed. That's not helpful for me personally, so I leave that stuff off. But for this test, I did it and I, I got more frames. My computer's running better on Tarkov. It wasn't massive because guess who helped set up my PC the first time? That'd be Ronald. So it was already pretty much done. But can you talk about some specific people maybe without using names and what you saw beforehand and after the fact once they actually went through these steps?
0: Yeah, I mean, there were some interesting scenarios we ran into that were kind of outside of the norm. I went through and helped one person who was already pretty far down the road and used to recording game footage uh, with with their PC. And we figured out, some issues with their computer that had to do with uh, drivers and power settings that were limiting how Tarkov could be recorded. And keep in mind too, all of the things that we've kind of learned going through this kind of like month-long experiment and month-long kind of interaction with people about this is that Tarkov's main problem was the stuttering. And that was not something that you could change with your computer. So I want to emphasize that. That was not something, it didn't matter how good of a video card you had, didn't matter how fast of a processor you had, you were not going to be able to change the stuttering with your computer. Tarkov has patched that particular problem. And in the past two weeks, Tarkov has released technical patches to really cut down the amount of memory usage and the amount of stuttering that the game experiences. And I personally have experienced that, I've experienced the benefit of that. I'm, I'm sure everybody has noticed it because it's down a lot in the last couple of weeks. Beyond that. The big thing's kind of what we learned is that Tarkov really does well around 60 to 70 frames per second. And you might be thinking to yourself, wow, that seems super low. I play PUBG at 5,000 frames so I can see people twitch out of the corner of the window. But Tarkov's not like that, right? The game is doesn't work like that. And so Tarkov's engine really settles in at like 60 to 70 frames per second. And if you can get that, if you can hit tilde, type FPS 1 and enter, and you can get your your FPS between 60 and 70, the game is running pretty buttery smooth at that point. And you're not going to really have any kind of issues where someone sees you before you see them. It's a pretty level playing field. And so that's, that's honestly probably the biggest misnomer that we've kind of found through just doing research and looking at a bunch of different systems and seeing how all these computers play Tarkov. If you land in that 60 to 70 for a heavy PVP game, like on factory or in dorms or something, you're in a good spot.
1: Right. And that's not to say that, you know, you're not going to get 120 and cap it out in some spots. What you're saying is if you can hit that in some of the bigger areas that are wooded and stuff like that, you're going to be on a level playing field with most people that are experiencing good, solid frame rate in the game.
0: Correct. And graphics cards really do matter in this game. So there's a wide range of graphics cards that are in use out there today. Anything on the low end, you might have a 1050 or a 1060. Now, those cards are three to four years old now, and you're pushing it. If if you're running that for a graphics card, you really have to kind of expect that your experience in a modern video game from now is not going to run buttery smooth on a four-year-old video card. There are other... Caveats with graphics cards, you really have to pay attention to how much RAM they have on the card itself. If you have a card that has less than six gigs of RAM on your card, you're really going to struggle with Tarkov because there's lots of textures and there's lots of things going on. The graphics card has to render and do. And so it's it's that's another super important thing. If you're looking at a graphics card, make sure you get one that has the appropriate amount of RAM. Power supplies really come into play. If your graphics card is running and when, when, you are, when you play a game and it's pushing itself to the max, if it's experiencing some power draw issues in your power supply, you're having undervolts or brownouts with your power supply, your computer can do weird things. That's when you get glitching and artifacts on your screen. And that, that kind of thing can happen. Cooling is another big problem too. Some people will, well, my computer stuffed down under my desk because I don't want to hear it, right? Well, if it's not getting enough airflow through it and the graphics card gets hot and stays hot, that's when you get lines across your screen because the memory on the graphics card is starting to burn up, literally burn up. And so then you start having these issues. And so people with graphics issues, it's not just, oh, my settings are set wrong. It's like, you got to look at kind of everything, right? You got to look at all of what's going on with your computer. And graphics cards for Tarkov, much like a lot of other modern FPS games, really, really matter. And the other the other area where, when we started to really dig into this was processor. People were under the assumption that you had to have an expensive modern processor to make Tarkov run. And so we kind of started with this idea of where is that kind of minimum age of processor that we could really make Tarkov run well. And thankfully, because we have a lot of people in the XFIL community, we've been able to see kind of a broad range of systems and kind of a broad range of CPUs in those systems. and so. If you have a modern Ryzen chip, Ryzen 3, Ryzen 5, Ryzen 7, you're going to make Tarkov run great. If you have a, an i7 or an i9 that's less than three years old, you should have zero problems at all. One of the interesting things about Tarkov is that the processor is not as important. There are some games where it really matters, but at Tarkov, the processor is not as important. And so we were able to create some settings optimizations with textures that leverage the processor more and took some load off of the uh, video card. And I talk about that in the video. So if you want to understand that, go watch the video on youtube.com slash XP now. And when you get to that point and you get your computer using all of the different pieces, kind of in a efficient way, you can make your system run really well. And of course, the last question people have is about SSDs. Are SSDs important? And the answer kind of is a yes at this point. Keep in mind, There are four different kinds of SSD drives now out on the market. And so when people say, should I go buy an SSD? And I get asked this question at least once a week. My answer is yes, with a star, right? The asterisk is what kind of system do you have and what kind of SSD can your system support? So usually it's tell me what motherboard you have and then we'll send, you know, they're like, send me a link of what I need to buy. So I'll send them a link of if it's an NVMe. If it's an NVMe 2, if it's a PCIe 4 NVMe or if it's a regular SATA 6 gigabit SSD interface, you know, drive. There's different types of SSDs. they all have different speeds. But at the very least, the cheapest SSDs are the ones that are a one-for-one replacement for old spinning hard drives. And those are the SATA kind. You at a very bare minimum, got to go pick yourself up one of those to run basically everything at at this point. If you can do kind of those basic things... Your system is going to be optimized pretty well, along with a bunch of other changes, which we go into uh, in the video.
1: Yeah, so can you recall or do you know the biggest FPS change from working with somebody on this? Like, what what are the numbers? Like, what was the biggest percentage or if you know the hard numbers change that you were able to achieve going through this with somebody?
0: I think one of the most interesting changes was an exact double in FPS. We had someone who was doing about 28. 22 to 28 FPS, and we got them to that like 52, 53 range. Wow. Were they, were they like amazed? Did they, let me, can I ask you this? And again, we're not going to put names on here, but did they think it was even possible? They were ready to buy a new computer. And and the problem is that the game was set up pretty well, but their Windows operating system stuff was not optimized well at all. There's some things, and again, I'm going to send you back to the video because it's it's technical and it makes more sense when you see it. I could tell you what it is. It'll make a lot more sense when you actually watch it and you see what it actually is. I go through and I click on each button with you. I don't like send you to this nebulous place of go figure it out. I want to show you because I want at the end of that 28 minutes, I want you to really be in a spot where you're like, okay, I don't need to take any more time to do this. I can go have fun. And I just want it to be done for you. And so the Windows part of it is really where I've noticed if you come from console, You never had to worry about making sure that your operating system worked well, or that the system part of your gaming experience was meaningful in any way, because the console does that for you. You just click go, and you're done, right? And so that's the biggest challenge for console players coming to PC: is you have to manage this whole other area that is just not something that you're used to managing. Our goal is to make that an easy thing to get in a generally good spot.
1: That's awesome. Again, it was helpful for me. I've seen the feedback on it. It's been cool. And going into the wipe, guys, we just wanted to take a little bit of time to talk about this because you can do things to make your in-game experience better. And the reason we did this is more frames in this game, generally speaking, leads to better PvP experiences. And well, yeah, you can't control stutters and Tarkov's done a good job of reducing those stutters, they're still there. And they're almost more noticeable now because they don't happen as often. So, when they do, you're like, oh, stutter. You know? It's just kind of funny how that works. But highly, highly recommend you go through and do this because it matters in this game. It matters in all games, but there's things you can do for Tarkov to,
0: to really help out. And we finished up the video talking about peripherals and the importance of the different types of peripherals. And for example having a high resolution mouse, having a mechanical keyboard. Why do you care about the kind of keyboard that you have, right? Why does it actually make a difference? Those kinds of things, you know, having a big mouse pad, those kinds of things are things that, again, when you come from console and you're used to using a controller, you just don't even think about or you don't really understand that there's different types of advantages to be had from using better peripherals. And so at the end of the video, I kind of go over that and kind of leave everyone with a note of, hey, this is the kind of thing to look for. And then, as always, you know, you can always hit me up in Discord and ask a question. And I do get back to everybody. It may take a couple of days because there's lots of questions, but I do try to get back to everybody so that everyone can enjoy the game. That's awesome. Thank you for putting that
1: together. I mean, it was something that both you and I get a lot of questions on. You know, I run a two PC stream setup, so I get a lot of questions on that and mostly direct all of the specific stuff to you. I know what works. I know what my system is. I don't know all of the different options within it. I just know what pieces I chose and why. Whereas sometimes, uh, actually not sometimes, whereas Eric, you tend to know all of the options in a category. If you want specifics on the way my setup is running, you can ask me that because I know why I picked and have the stuff I have. But there's other options out there and that's where I'm less familiar. So great work on that. I thought it was awesome. But I kind of want to wrap this episode just on kind of one final (laughs) thought or question. And we've talked a little bit about the flea market Illuminati today. And I wanted to see if there was any information that's come out from Tarkov on the wipe in the last few weeks since we talked to Jeremiah and to Geek. And if your prediction is changing related to the economy or economic conditions in the post-wipe Tarkovian Empire?
0: I don't think so. I still think that the flea market Illuminati will dominate the economy quite well. I I haven't changed my prediction at all. I still believe that the changes to the flea market are going to hurt the casual player base for the same reasons that we went through on the episode last week with Geek. I think that everyone will adapt to a certain extent. But I do think the amount of fun that a casual player is going to have in Tarkov is going to go down. And I don't think it's going to hurt the people that are playing now, because if you're playing now, you like the game and, you know, you can either decide to play it or not. It's the new person who's going to pick up Tarkov in the next wipe who's going to come. And they're making the curve to get into the game in a meaningful way, unnecessarily hard because they're listening to the 0.001% of the player base who are complaining about something that is very specific that most people never experience. Whenever games do that, they generally fail. It never works out well. And so I'm hoping, in all seriousness, I'm hoping that they actually make some changes away from what they're going to propose doing once the wipe happens. And it may be something they're like, this didn't work. And so I'm really hoping that this is not a change that sticks. I'm actually kind of upset that you took my prediction change just now, because
1: as I've thought about this since we talked about it, the clarification you made to the new player to Tarkov. I actually agree with that almost 100% because it's not the casual player or the hardcore player or anybody who's already playing the game. Even if you've been playing the game for a couple weeks, going into the wipe and you have some experience and you understand the systems and you've read some guides or you've talked to someone and and Tarkov got his hooks in you like it does everybody that that digs in. I think the challenge is going to be the hooks into the new player, the brand new player. And after the wipe, someone new picking up the game, I think the hook is going to be a little less sharp. And it, it, maybe it doesn't have the barb on it that hooks into the lip so much. and And that's sad for me because I think everyone that's playing this game right now knows why it's so good. It's frustratingly fun. And there's a really delicate balance of that. And someone who already has gone through and played some is going to be able to get past some of these system changes just because of experience and knowledge alone. And so I don't think it's going to change the hook for anybody. It may alter it slightly, but I think we'll probably all still jump in. It's the new person I'm worried about. So it's interesting to me that you latched onto that same sort of clarification of of your point that, again, I don't think the prediction, I don't think you're changing your prediction there, but that brand new player in this game does have the ability to attract brand new players. It got both of us and then it got waves of people when they did the drops event. And To think that Battlestate is not planning stuff for bringing new players into the game, I think would be an incorrect assumption. I think they want new players in the game. They're stabilizing the back end. I too share your concern for the brand new player. And again, I'm hopeful that just being fully transparent that someone brand new gets the game. And if they get a little bit hooked that they find the show and they hear our journey from being new to where we are now. And We're going to get to sort of start our journey over again with this wipe. And I'm excited about that. And I hope people really do come along and and experience that journey with us. That's been the coolest part about doing this. So (laughs) I wasn't trying to lead you there. I wanted to to have my own revelation (laughs) on the the show this week, but you stole it.
0: (laughs) Well, let me ask you this question then. I think that just as equally as the new player is going to be hurt or burdened by this change, the broke Chad is going to be just as equally hurt by this. I don't understand the people that are yelling for this. They don't seem to understand this is going to make their life a lot harder.
1: Yeah, I think the difference, the only difference that the broke Chad has in this scenario is the knowledge of whatever they've dug into in the game and I think this change for somebody that struggles with the economy and is always riding that line of just not quite having enough rubles to do anything I think this change could nudge them in the direction to figure out the economy and really look at their playstyle to say why don't I have money and so and so over here who maybe I'm better than, or I'm a better PvP, or whatever metric you're looking at, why do they have money and I don't? And it may drive some economic foes into those players' games, and since they already have the PvP mentality, if they can just latch on to, oh, maybe I just need to be a little less W-key, maybe not hold shift for as long, and Maybe I need to do some loot running or whatever it is. I I just think the knowledge of how the game works, even if you're just a PvP guru and you just love PvP to the point where you're broke all the time from doing it, having the knowledge of the game, I just don't think it's going to affect them as greatly. I do think somebody who's not ready for this and not preparing for the change, who is not very good at the Tarkov economy, I think there's going to be a real period of challenge. I don't disagree with you there. But I'm more concerned for the brand new player. I I don't think it's equal.
0: The whole reasoning for this was that the economy is flooded. Things are too expensive because bots and because hatchet runners and whatever. I'm just going to say it again. All the people that are complaining about this, to them specifically, you're going to reduce the supply of the things that you need in the game. That is going to make them all more expensive. By making this change, by getting rid of the things that annoy you as a wholesale change, it's going to hurt you. Everything is going to be more expensive. And if you already are broke because you're a stuck W key, you are going to be even farther away from getting the things that you need.
1: If I really had to dig into this, I would almost argue that the broke Chad is probably not the person complaining about this. I think the loudest voices on this are the people that have a lot of time in game and are really passionate about the PvP, but they kind of just out-economy people because of how much time they play. And it's not to throw shade at content creators or streamers, but it's the person who's saying, if I'm going to run to Shoreline Resort, I want to fight other players every time. It's that person. Well, the, the person who's doing that, if they're chatting and they're streaming, for example, and they're doing that every single raid, their economy is probably blowing away significantly the average person because once in a while, you know, a PVP resort chat stumbles on a red card <laughs> you know, and they sell it for 50 million. I would look at the broke Chad as somebody who's maybe playing the game often, but not all the time. And I don't know if they're really loud or not, you know, I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm off on this, but where I mostly hear this opinion is from the very aggressive PVP content creators. They also have a following of aggressive PVP players that probably don't play as much as they do because they're not doing it for a living. So maybe that is the crew that's doing it, but I think it originates from the people that are doing it for
0: quote unquote a living. Right. So that point zero 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 one percent of content creators are going to be fine because they'll be able to outplay it with time. Yep. But the 20% of players that want to be just like them are screwing themselves. And that's just my opinion. And, you know, I, I'm okay. I'm okay to have people disagree with me. I, that's just my opinion. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Right. No,
1: and I think that's the fun part about this too, is that I don't think anyone would argue that that isn't where that conversation starts, right? Because again, like I've I've gone over it in other shows and I'm not going to go over it again, but I have specific scenario stuff for that. But even then it's like I do like the PVP, but I'm not going to lie, man. When I hear someone running and it's a hatchling and I kill him and I'm now safe again, I'm totally okay with that. (laughs) It doesn't happen often enough to me to be like, oh, another hatchling. Like, I don't know that I've ever said that. Like, it's like, oh, sweet. I kill that guy, get his dog tag, and I get to keep doing what I was here to do. You know, if I go in factory and there was five other hatchlings on the map, I'm just going to reset and do it again. Like, it's the content creator focused mindset. And I don't think it's wrong from their mindset. It's just not taking into account the rest of the population, and that's that's where the issue is with it. I
0: think. So I think you know we can probably look at this a bunch of different ways. Our show, we look at all different kinds of viewpoints and different ways of playing, and we try to speak to a lot of different kinds of people. It may sound like we're going you know kind of hard at content creators or going hard at a certain like Chad play style, and that's really not what I personally meant to do. I think it's just important to note that when you have a strong opinion about the way that your pixels are on your screen, is that. That opinion may, you know, kind of transcend a lot of different things, right? And so I always try to think about okay, if I want to make this change to the game, it could maybe affect other stuff too. And so it's just something to keep in mind. And that's really kind of where my whole opinion on the flea market and the flea market Illuminati comes from is that understanding how the open market systems in other games have evolved over time and over a lot of years. I think that Tarkov is going to end up in a scenario where they're going to have to iterate on this system a couple of times. And we are just in a spot where there's going to be a major change. And because of that, I think that everyone's going to notice it more than maybe they've noticed it in the past.
1: I agree with you too. And I'll just sort of echo a piece there where, for example, if a big streamer or somebody has an opinion about something, it's just really easy for their opinion to get recycled. And what I mean by that is if you know, like in PUBG, it would have been like if Chaco Taco tweeted something and then it gets like 8000 retweets. That doesn't mean that the gamer who is just games by themselves and likes to play Tarkov. And if they go to Reddit one night for the first time ever, make an account and post an opinion on a system or have an idea, that doesn't mean it's not valid. That doesn't mean it's not the best opinion on the subject. It's just more simply that a change is being made that started being echoed by the like my people the ultra chads right and it's creating a change in the game and that's what we're analyzing here it's fun for us it's really easy like i just don't want people to think like hey we're real we're against it or we don't like that or whatever because i'm in this camp i don't hold that opinion quite as strong as some of the other people that you know stream for a living and things like that but we're not invalidating all gamers feelings or validating just certain pockets of them. And it's a really hard line to toe. And so again, I just think it's important to explain that at the end of this, that we want to keep analyzing this stuff. And there's times where we're going to go hard at the rats. There may be some really loud rats down the road that get a change made, that we're going to be like, this is really bad, dude. <laughs> like, you rats need to quiet down. The same way we're kind of like, oh, I don't know, Chads, you may be a little too loud right now. And it's uh, it's fun for us to talk about it. But we've talked about this one enough over the last few weeks that I appreciate you saying that. And I also wanted to chime in on it because the thing that we're not willing to do is to, like, go into Expo and say, like, go into this streamer's chat and say that they're dumb or go on Reddit. And this is what we think. So go, go make sure to tell everybody about that. That's not why we're talking about it. We're talking about it because we enjoy the conversation, but also sometimes it's pretty easy to figure out where it came from. And that might not always be super obvious to some people, but sometimes we can read
0: between the tea leaves and figure that out
1: (laughs) and we're going to talk about it.
0: (laughs) So anyway, that's all I have on the subject as well. I think we got that one pretty good. And uh, I think everyone's pretty anxious to see what happens, including us. So we'll just have to leave it at that. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm starting to see that green bar flash on the top of the screen there. So that means that we are, we're getting towards the end of this. How about you, Mike? Any final thoughts? No, man. I uh, would just, well, no, yes. Yes, no. Yes. I would
1: encourage you to check the optimization video out if you have not done that. It's on the YouTube XP Media Now, youtube.com forward slash XP Now. Check that video. Out, see if it's helpful. We would love to hear your thoughts, whether it's in the comments on YouTube and a DM on Discord. That's the type of stuff that we want to do to make sure we're helping people out. And if someone's coming into the Discord and they're like, man, I'm really struggling with this game or they're brand new, feel free to drop that link. Or if there's other links out there, too, that help with this stuff, like put them in the Discord, man. Like we just want people to have the best experience possible, whether it's our content or someone else's that helps them get it out there. Um, So yeah, that's all. Check that video out if you have not gone through a optimization process on your PC for Tarkov.
0: Yep, that sounds good. All right, well, that's it. The uh, green bar is flashing pretty hard on my screen and we are moments away from disappearing. So I want to thank everyone for watching and for listening. And remember, you can always find us on iTunes and Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere basically that you can't listen to a podcast we'd really appreciate it on those platforms if you would leave us a review uh, that uses their particular platform system. So on iTunes, a five-star review would be greatly appreciated. On Spotify, if you give us a follow. And on Stitcher, whatever Stitcher does to recommend podcasts, uh, if you leave us a review, that really goes a long way to helping the show get pushed out to a broader audience, which just makes our community that much more awesome. Also, remember, just as we've been saying this entire episode, we have a lot of content on YouTube at youtube.com slash Now. Go check it out. Lots of good stuff there, including the talk show version of this show where you can actually see Mike and I as we're going through this. And we've got some fun graphics and things that come onto the video version of the show that you obviously can't see if you're an audio only listener. We appreciate both groups, but if you have not checked out the video podcast, we encourage you to do that. Well, that's pretty much it for this week. Well, everyone wants you to have a great week I Want to encourage you to go out and spend all of your money. If you wipe with one ruble, it's a ruble wasted in my opinion. So go out and try all the things that you didn't think that you would get to try. If that means an expensive gun, go have some fun with it. If it means an expensive armor, go have some fun with it or go practice for that wipe that's coming up. And you're going to have to basically start over again, but you have the knowledge that you gain this wipe. So we encourage everybody, go have a good time this week. Have fun and good luck with all of your runs. Good luck. We'll see you out there.
1: Thanks for listening. And if your thing is filling an MBSS full of Tashanka every raid to make the other PMC smile, if they do happen to kill you, go do it. Now's the time.
0: Have a good week, everybody.
1: Bye. See ya.